Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, I'm going to dive into the tailored nutrition method. So if you've ever been to our website, you will see that there is a free guide that you can download, and I highly recommend everybody listening to this podcast, pause the episode or do it while you're listening, <laughs> go over to tailoredcoachingmethod.com and download the book. It's completely free. Um, it's not going to give you any spam or anything like that. You will be obviously getting some emails from me that are just more value and just more insights, tips, tricks, hacks, and programming tools to use and have on your repertoire. But um, the book itself is it's so valuable. It's 87 pages, and it's, it's, it's a, a guide that is designed to master your diet, to teach you what we do and how we do it. Um, and, and I really, I wrote the book just to give more value, right? Tailored Coaching Method is a company founded on the core value of just being a go-giver. We embody this by working to deliver more value than we promise rather than promising more than we can deliver. And to me, that doesn't just mean periodizing our clients' training and nutrition so that it matches their lifestyles, avoids psychological and physiological burnout, creates the result they're searching for, obviously, um, and makes sure it lasts over time. It's sustainable, but also means delivering as much valuable free content as possible. Instagram, podcasts, YouTube videos, blogs, guides, anything I can do as much as possible because even our clients who are paying us, which I will say is priceless, you know, what we provide in our coaching will always trump what's given in any book or free product or podcast because coaching is a commodity that is essentially priceless in my opinion. It precedes the value that can be provided in the pages of a book or however many minutes are in a video or the hour-long podcast. It gives access, accountability, association, and tailored adjustments to everything that creates your physical success. So I don't think anything can replace coaching. However, I do think that free content allows us to kind of steer you in the right direction. And it also gives the people who are already paying and participating in coaching services, it gives them extra accountability, extra information. It gives them another layer of something to attach to their coach and their coaching company and the brand that they can associate themselves with. And ultimately it builds trust in them because they're, they're constantly learning and it gives them education. There's nothing better than a client knowing why they're doing what they're doing with you. Because when they know why they're doing what they're doing, it's much easier for them to continually do it and not fall off. Because they understand the process. They understand why they're doing it. Uh, but with all that being said, like today's podcast, I, I really want to dive into the, the Taylor Nutrition Method ebook. I kind of want to give the audio version of this book because I think it's so valuable. And, and although I do think everybody listening should go download the ebook because one, it's free. Why would you not want a free guide? But two, also because it, it's good to have this stuff in writing. It's good to have a book that you can either print out or you can have in, on your phone or your computer that you can always refer back to as needed. Um, but ultimately, it's 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 a tool, right? And so today, I'm going to go over as much as I can. We might split this into multiple podcasts because there's a lot of sections to cover. Um, we have to cover adherence and metrics, which always comes first. We have to cover calories because energy balance is kind of 
a big deal. It's kind of the king of it all. Uh, we got to dive into macros, which to me is the individualization tool or the tailoring tool that we use to make sure that those calories work for you. Um, we got to dive into everything else when it comes to nutrition, which would be micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, sodium, water, stuff like that. Fiber, meal composition, feeding frequency, nutrient timing, supplements. There's a lot that kind of goes in that umbrella of quote unquote everything else. Uh, then we'll dive into periodization. So we'll talk diet breaks, refeeds, and in fat loss phases, timelines of your diet. Um, and last but not least, uh, we'll kind of go over some some minor things that you would want to think about or know before jumping into your journey. You know, the longevity of this. Should you build muscle or lose fat? How do you decide what your goal is? Can you do both? Um, how do you be intuitive? Like, is this something I got to do forever? Do you need a coach? Like, we'll dive into those kind of things to kind of conclude this series. So over the next few weeks, you're going to get uh, some podcasts from me going over the tailored nutrition method, which to me is the all-inclusive guide to mastering your diet. So without any further ado, Let's jump into the podcast. Before we get into the details and specifics of, of literal nutrition, right, and evidence-based nutrition, and, and that'll start with energy balance and calories, which we will cover today, um, and why that is so important and why we need to do those things, how we need to do those things. Let's first touch on what you'll need in order to even head down that path of tracking your calories, planning your macros, and determining exactly what your nutrition plan should look like. The first thing you'll need is the mental preparation to make this work for you. When considering calories, macros, micros, and everything else within the pyramid of importance made famous by Eric Helms of 3DMJ, which is another great book I highly recommend. Uh, I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, it's called The Muscle and Strength Pyramids. Uh, but you'll need to consider and realize the fact that the things are becoming a bit more real, right? You're on a diet now. You have started a journey officially. You will be motivated at times and you'll be completely unmotivated at other times. You'll need some self-discipline and likely some form of accountability for consistent, uh, for consistency and reasons, but it's very hard to do that alone sometimes. So that's where if you struggle with the accountability, that's where you lean towards a coach, right? But regardless, whether you have a coach or not, because you still need it, the coach just can't do it for you. You need that level of self-discipline. But most importantly, You'll need to double down on what allows you to have full adherence. How can you make sure you are consistent? And, and by that, I mean you need to work on fitting the diet into your lifestyle, not the other way around by trying to cram your lifestyle into some diet. This is the tagline of my brand, and it's something I built the foundation of our clients' success on, making this whole dieting thing easier and less stressful so that they could finally follow a plan for, no, for longer than just 30 days as a quick fix. Adherence and or consistency is really what comes well before the theoretical pyramid. Once again, credit to Dr. Eric Helms, the, the guy who created uh, this that coaches around the world use as a reference point because it's such a valuable pyramid or tool or way of looking at it. Um, in fact, I'd have you consider that the pyramid is irrelevant if you can't adhere to a plan. Trust the process, believe in the results you'll achieve, actually want to work towards them so you have that motive and are ready to take on the challenge of transforming your body composition because that's not easy. And I do not say that to scare you. This isn't a fear mongering telling you dieting is hard, get ready to sacrifice, bro, like hashtag hardcore. It, that's not me, nor is that how I educate others. I'd be lying, though, if I said you'll always want to track macros, check in with your coach, take progress pictures, or choose the healthier option, even when everyone else is eating burgers and drinking beer. Can you do those things at some points? Yeah, absolutely. We'll touch on that in this podcast. We'll talk, the podcast series, we'll talk about flexible dieting and how you can do that. But can you always do those things and expect to get shredded? No. 
It's just not the case, despite what the Instagram gurus might tell you. And to cap off the adherence pep talk I'm giving you right now, I want you to know that my goal with this this podcast series and, and the goal of the book that I wrote, The Tailored Nutrition Method, is to provide you with a plan that allows you the most adherence I've ever seen inside the dieting world slash space um, and even inside research. Will it work for every single human being on the planet? No, of course not. There is no one thing that will. However, based on my experience over the last 10 years, what the research shows on flexible dieting and the anecdotal experience of so many top coaches like myself, I do believe this is the closest thing to the best diet. Part of what allows true dietary flexibility and improving adherence are metrics. This is the data that tells us things are working. They're not working what needs to be adjusted, what needs to stay put, how long we have left to go, what your total intake actually is, what the composition of your calories is, your food quality, and so much more. Like we don't know any of that unless we have this data. And it's all geeky science stuff we need in order to make the needle budge on the scale essentially. Now, the argument for the for most is that this is neurotic and obsessive, which it can be true and it can lead to those tendencies. But I want to teach you that Flexible dieting is something different. Flexible dieting actually is so you can fully see the benefits and as to why using metrics daily is not neurotic or obsessive. It's an intelligent and sustainable way to improve your physique. That's why I always say control equals freedom. If you have control over your diet, you learn how to be flexible. And if you can be flexible, you have freedom with your diet. But if you become so rigid that you worry about being off by one single gram of carb or that you end up prepping six meals a day of broccoli and ground turkey, you'll go insane. I've seen it. In fact, I've even lived it because I did a physique competition and I did it that way and it was hell. But if you told an accountant or a banker or a financial advisor that you had a goal of saving $30,000 this year, what would they tell you? It'd probably be along the lines of, great. Let's look at your current bank statements, expenses, savings, and the trend of cash flow month to month from previous months and years. Now, does that seem neurotic? No, not at all. Not really. It just makes sense because if you want to save money, you need to follow advice like that. You need to keep track. You need to be somewhat organized. You need to remember. You need to, to analytically track and record data about money coming in, money going out, and money staying put. But if you want to lose weight, you're not supposed to do that, right? I'll stop here because you get my point. What most people do not understand is that these metrics allow us to dial things in to a much more specific level to give us an outstanding result, essentially, while also allowing us to create some flexibility within this structure. In fact, it's tracking macros that allowed me to get out of a rigid bodybuilding show prep lifestyle years ago that was literally ruining the social aspect of eating and pushing me into a yo-yo cycle of dieting and weight loss gain, not to mention body dysmorphia and obsession around your diet. This actually allows you to fit in that beer or burger on the weekend so you don't become so rigid that you never attend social events or enjoy yourself. It's simply a matter of tracking and making it fit. And although I'm going to recommend eating whole foods in the majority of this podcast series, and I typically recommend that for clients, the reality of changing your body composition is that you can fit anything into your caloric intake and still drop body fat. Um, I'll cite in the, the show notes of this podcast, there's some research showing this, the McDonald's experiment and the Twinkie diet experiment. They lost weight and they improved their blood markers while eating McDonald's or Twinkies every single day because they were in a calorie deficit. 
But the percentage of people I've worked with that see better results because we have this system of numbers for them to eat healthy while fitting in the foods they enjoy is beyond the majority, which is why I'm a huge proponent of flexible dieting and exactly why I'm recording this podcast for you right now. It's a balanced approach of self-discipline, whole foods, training in the gym, and food flexibility all wrapped in one system. As impossible as that may sound because you look sound like you're juggling multiple things or wearing multiple hats, it's possible and it's doable and it's very, very productive. The main reason it was created or discovered uh, was to allow bodybuilders to still get stage lean without having to only eat a list of six foods and drive themselves crazy mentally while creating nutritional deficiencies during prep. But it was not what most people believe. Thanks to the internet movement of if it fits your macros, quote unquote, it's not a matter of drinking a protein shake, eating some fiber gummies and taking a multivitamin, thinking your bases are covered. and Now you can just eat as many Pop-Tarts as you like. It was a matter of an athlete asking their coach, can I have an apple instead of a banana? And the coach saying, yeah, definitely, as long as it fits your macros. And at that moment, if it fits your macros, was born. This is literally, I want to say, back in like the bodybuilding.com forums, um, and I want to say Alan Aragon was one of the original people. Um, Maybe Dr. Joe as well. Lane Norton was in that mix. Like They literally created it based on this. So... Later on is when it was taken out of context and the smart individuals who truly started it then created the term flexible dieting in a way to control what had to become, had began to turn into something different, which is called if it fits your macros and eating junk. But back to the point here, whether you're getting ready to step on stage or you're just part of the gen pop looking to strip off some unwanted belly fat, this way of eating simply works and allows us to steal the exact same system the leanest guys in the world use to become the leanest guys in the world. So now that I've given you kind of the proper, proper history lesson on flexible dieting and why it's so damn important, um, we got to talk about one of the most important things that you, you need to be aware of before we can even dive into any type of, of structured nutritional approach, and that's metrics. So the, f- the first thing on the metrics is a scale. If you don't weigh in and track your progress, you won't know things are working. And I often recommend you weigh in every single day, um, at least three times a day. And as you get further along in your weight loss journey and you have less weight to lose, it's even more important to weigh in more frequently. So if I have somebody who has 30 plus pounds to lose, I'm totally fine with three three days a week weighing in. Once they hit 20, let's go four. Once they have 10 pounds to lose, I'm like, hey, if you can, like five to seven days a week, I want you weighing in. And the reason for that is because if you weigh in on one single day, you are most likely going to see fluctuations more often, right? I shouldn't say that. You're not going to see fluctuations more often, but your trend isn't going to be accurate, which is more frustrating, right? So if I weigh in every single day, I will see a trend. In fact, as I'm recording this, I was one pound on the dot heavier than I was yesterday, right? And that's fine because by the end of the week, I will have seven weigh-ins and I will see what my average is. And my average will tell the whole story. My average will tell me the truth about where I am at with my physique and my cut. Second thing is measuring tape. Not everyone needs this, but I'd highly suggest it. Sometimes your weight won't drop, but your body fat levels do. And you're maintaining muscle well or gaining muscle if you're recomping. And this is one way to know. Um, there's a great tool that you can get on Amazon called a myotape, and it's literally uh, the easiest way to self-measure any body part. So I highly recommend that. It makes it way easier, and then you don't have to have a partner to help you measure yourself. The third thing is camera. I'd really suggest everybody take progress pictures at least once a month, but ideally every one to two weeks. Uh, my best way of doing this or suggestion is set your phone on a window seal. If you're doing it on your phone, put it, get a tripod for it. You can buy one for 10 bucks on Amazon. 
set your your phone on a windowsill uh, in the morning while you're completely fasted uh, and use the natural light from the window shining in as your light. Because when you have overhead lights, the dimness and the brightness of light bulbs change day to day and over time as the light bulb gets uh, worse. And if you're not standing in the exact same position with your body in the exact same position, the shadows it places on your body will be different. But the easiest way to control shadows and control photo accuracy is going to be using natural lighting from a window. So set your phone up on a window, take the picture that way, and, and make sure you're standing in the same position that you can repeat every single day. No more selfies in the mirror. Um, if you take a selfie of yourself as a progress picture, yes, it can be helpful, especially if you lose a lot of weight. But the problem with that is, is every time I take a picture week to week, especially as you're getting leaner, the way you hold that phone, the arm you hold that phone in, the way the light is, the way you're standing, like it's always going to be different. So your body's going to be different. But if you stand in the same anatomical position every single time in front of the window like that, you're going to be good, right? And I would suggest doing it on the same day and time every week. So for example, for me, I do it on Saturdays uh, because that that's the only day of the week that I sleep in a little bit longer than normal. Um, I know that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be home and the sun's going to be out throughout the week. I usually wake up and the sun's not up yet. So it's, it's too it's too early for me to take a progress picture. But I repeat it every other week, the same Saturday at the same time. And that is another control point, another metric that we can control to make things consistent and accurate. Next, a gym. You, if you're looking for a place to change your body, you need to train. Um, but especially in the case of building muscle, the weights you are lifting are a key indicator of the progress you're making. You want to follow a plan, of course, so you're not aimlessly going and just exercising and doing whatever you can. Uh, but I would highly suggest that you head over to Taylor Trainer. You know, that's a shameless plug, but we have tons of programs in there. It's delivered to you through an app, and you don't have to worry about anything. Or you can grab one of our ebooks. At the very least, find a free program online, but have some kind of plan. And if you don't have access to a gym because COVID is still shutting things down in your town or, or whatever it may be, that's okay. I would highly suggest you invest a little bit of money in some equipment at home. Even if you spend a few hundred dollars and you just get a, a bunch of bands and some adjustable dumbbells, that's going to be enough to see progress and get you training. The point is, is that you're doing some kind of resistance training. You need that and you need to track that metric over time. Next, food measuring tools, uh, things like cups, tablespoons, etc. cetera. Uh, they all work, but the most important is going to be a digital food scale. Nothing is more accurate than this. And in the case of dialing in your specific nutrition plan with macros and everything, accuracy is a big key. So if you don't have precision locked in, you're going to be guessing. And if you're guessing, you really can't predict where your body's going to go. You'll need some kind of tracking software. My suggestion is MyFitnessPal, but any app that you enjoy tracking your macros on and your food works totally fine. MyFitnessPal seems to be the most user-friendly, the most well-used and or most commonly used and has a, one of the larger databases of, of food groups and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. So I usually recommend that. And the last thing you need is some kind of metric or data sheet. Um, this is something we use in our personal coaching obviously. Uh, and it makes a massive difference. Having metrics is great, but having them in one place with formulas, average trends that calculate for you, uh, and the ability to see progress over weeks and months is extremely beneficial because now we can kind of take a bird's eye view. We can zoom out and we can look, how has your progress been across weeks of tracking data from your macros to your weight, to your stress, to your performance, to your sleep. Like we're going through all these things. We can see your pictures. We can see your measurements. You have to have some kind of data sheet. If not, you're just trying to remember and you're guessing along the way. Okay. So now we have a full understanding of, of kind of how to prepare um, and what comes even before all these evidence-based principles that I'm going to dive into and the tools you'll need and the metrics you'll be tracking. We can actually move into the actual 
quote unquote hierarchy, right? We can actually move into the actual diet, uh, dietary advice itself. And the first thing that we have to cover is energy balance. It's calories. So first let's define what a calorie actually is. A calorie is the energy needed to raise the temperature of one kilogram of water through one Celsius equal to 1000 small calories and often used to measure the energy value of food. But this is not a high school science class, so we're not going to go through a high school science teaching lesson. Uh, if we look at the meat and potatoes of that, and the thing that really matters is that last part. It's, it's often used to measure the energy value of food. A calorie is a way to measure your food and total daily intake. It's also a metric that we use to see how many calories we're expending through daily activities, whether that's exercise or it's, it's neat. It's non-exercise oriented activities, things like breathing, eating, walking, talking, living, right? Uh, in more technical terminology, it's energy balance we're talking about here. What are you taking in versus what are you putting out? When you can understand that and properly adjust that balance in your favor, example, creating a deficit for weight loss or creating a surplus for muscle growth and mass gain, you achieve the aesthetic result you were searching for. It's not that simple, but that is the principle and the foundation behind it all that we need to understand. So the question begs, like, what does this really mean for you? It means you now have a way of tracking, determining, and controlling the outcomes you see with your body composition according to this specific number. It's a powerful tool that can help you dial in your nutrition enough to visibly see differences in your body almost immediately and more, more specifically week to week as you go through the diet. But in other words, calories in versus calories out will determine about 75% or more of the results you see. It's the exact reason why this is the first thing we are going to be talking about in this podcast series, uh, besides obviously adherence and what you need in order to adhere to, to the calorie principle. Uh, but calories are the biggest influence on what we see with our body composition. If we ignore this, it's going to be very, very hard to see results. Um, and this is debated, uh, but it's it's really not up for debate. Science has shown over and over again that this is just the way it is. Um, but, I mean, people argue it uh, because people, a lot of people don't believe it's not just all about cal calories. And, and I would agree with that. Like, there is much more to it. There's physiological processes, nutrient deficiencies, genetics, training, and other non-calorie related aspects that do come into play and impact the aesthetic progress we achieve. However, those things do not directly dictate body composition transformation. Almost always, they indirectly impact our energy expenditure, what can, which can influence body composition. But the reason this is not up for debate is that it always comes back down to energy balance equations and, and solving that in order to see these changes. Now, you may be thinking, uh, but there are plenty of people I know who do not track and they're shredded. They're lean as hell. Like what, what, what gives? Well, it could be multiple things. Um, here's a couple examples. They tracked once upon a time and can be successful with intuitive eating now, right? Like I'm a great example. I tra I've tracked for at least five plus years every single day. It taught me everything about what I was eating and what my body needs, allowing me to maintain my weight without using a tracking system if I wanted to. But if I want to see changes, this system is the first thing I'll go to. So although I have the tools now because I've tracked over time, I can be intuitive with my diet if I want to. However, if I want to change my physique, if I want to build muscle, if I want to improve performance, if I want to get cut, I want to get lean, I'm still going to go back to tracking, right? But I do have the tools inside if I decide I want to be more intuitive. Another thing is, example, they could be just a genetic freak. Um, 
we got to put this out there because the industry and social media in general are full of genetic freaks who are born with abs yet preach about their systems and programs. Some have great info and others don't. Sometimes it's hard to tell for the average person. But one thing we can do for ourselves is realize that genetics play a massive role. And instead of complaining about ours not being superhuman, we can use systems like this to just take control and make the most out of the physique we have. But it is important to take everything with a grain of salt, not with face value. Because like I said, there are extremely shredded IG influencers who are not intelligent or have a quality background education on training or nutrition. They just have a following and they're shredded, right? And then there's also people who have an extremely well and diverse and and complex education level, but they're just not in shape. So they, they have that side of it too, where they're not, they're not getting the most out of their talent because of that. Um, The last example I'll give is they're habitually in control of their eating, right? Like there, there are many people who can monitor eating and practice moderation very easily, my guess is that you're probably not one of them uh, since you're listening to this, but my guess is also that you have an extreme goal to get lean or to build muscle or you do struggle with your eating habits or want to change your body, right? Everybody listening to this, I can almost guarantee, is either a coach teaching people how to use systems like this or they're a person desiring a system like this because they desire a change in the physique they see or at least the knowledge in order to use a system if that time comes around. Um, and we have to remember too, like, some people just can't be habitual like that. And that's okay. You know, like I always used to joke around and say, like, if I uh, ate intuitively, I'd intuitively eat, like my body would intuitively want to eat Ben and Jerry's all the time, right? Because I crave ice cream. I want ice cream. I like ice cream. It's calories. My body needs calories. That's intuitive, right? But it's not healthy. It's not going to lead me to my goals. Real quick, I want to tell you guys about Eat to Evolve. This is one of our podcast sponsors that hooks me up with the best meals that I've ever had from a meal prep service because they're never frozen, they're always fresh, and they never taste like that microwave garbage that you get from most companies or the kind that you cook yourself. Because if you're anything like me, you suck at cooking, you hate cooking, you don't have the right Tupperwares, and they never reheat the same way. But I haven't experienced that with Eat to Evolve, and I can't recommend them to my clients, my members, even my family and my team enough. So if you want to save 20% on your first order and check out their breakfast options, their dinner entrees, they have grab-and-go snacks, they have bags of different trail mixes, so many good options that follow so many different diets, whether you're a paleo eater, you're a keto eater, you're a high-carb eater, you're a high-protein, you're tracking your macros. It doesn't matter. They have something for you. And again, you can not only save 20% on your first order, but you'll get free shipping nationwide when you order over $100 in one setting, which is really easy to do if you're hooking up most of your meals. So once again, guys, that's eat2evolve.us, a proud sponsor of this podcast, and I am endorsing this. I cannot recommend them enough. They are my go-to source for lunches, and now they're yours too. Without any further ado, let's jump back into the podcast. So the, the next step, now that we understand essentially why calories are so important, is finding your maintenance. The, the first and most important step in order to figure out where your calories should be at. And successfully using this system, um, it starts by finding where your maintenance level is. See, calories are like a GPS for changing your body composition, really. It's going to guide you down the exact path needed to find the result you are looking for. But here's the deal. If you don't put in the place you are starting from, there's no way in hell you'll find the ending destination you want to get to. So that's where finding your maintenance calories comes in play, uh, and it plays such a big role in starting this process. Um, There are three ways to go about this. The first is pretty simple, um, but 
likely the least accurate. Um, and if you want tabled versions of how to do this, like I said, click the link in the description, go to the website, download the, uh, the tailored nutrition method, and you can have all the tables and all the calculations right in front of you to do for yourself. Uh, but essentially, there's, there's a, a really easy way to calculate this maintenance number, um, and that's going to be, uh, it's a general, it's a generic multiplier that I want to say I found through Precision Nutrition years ago, and it works, but it's very, very general to say the least. Um, so uh, you got to look at your activity level and you got to look at the multiplier, right? So if you're sedentary, that's one activity level, lightly active, uh, new to, or like very little training, you're active. So you're an intermediate or you train pretty often, or you're a vigorous trainee, which means you're a crossfitter, you're an athlete, you're a physique sport, you have a laborious job, whatever it may be. And essentially this multiplier for your maintenance goes from low to high. So if you're sedentary, it's body weight times 12. If it's light activity, it's body weight times 13. If it's active times 14. If it's vigorous, it's times 15 to 16. Um, the problem with this is, is that it's, it's, it's not a super accurate, um, way of determining your maintenance calories. Um, but oftentimes assuming there's no previous dieting damage or, uh, done or metabolic adaptation or, or any chronic dieting in the history, it's pretty accurate or close to accurate enough. So for some individuals, this works just fine for a baseline to start with. The more active you are, the higher this number goes up. And in general, it's, it's a more of an ideal as the, uh, is that it's not, it, this is more of an ideal as is the next method, uh, which I'll explain in here in a little bit because it's going to get more and more accurate as we go through these systems. But one thing to point out is that oftentimes these calculators can be over calculated. So although I agree with the 12, 13, 14, 15 protocol, a lot of times it's more like 10, 12, 14, 15, 16, right? I see people who, if, if you're sedentary, usually body weight times 10 is enough to maintain. If you're in a really healthy position, you would go towards 12. Lightly active times 13, right? Active times 14. Um, so 12, 13, 14, 15 is accurate. Sometimes you got to go a little bit lower depending on the situation. And we got to remember too, this is just maintenance. So you're going to create a deficit off of this. So another reason why we have to have enough calories is, and, and people will calculate this and, and go, holy shit, I'm not eating that much. And it's like, that's okay because we want to create a deficit, right? Because your goal is fat loss. Um, but the second way to do, uh, to calculate maintenance is uh, finding your TDEE plus activity multiplier. Um, this is much more accurate and individualized than uh, the previous method, but in my experience, it's still a ideal world scenario type of maintenance calculator. What I mean by that is that it, it, this is assuming all is fantastic with you. You are healthy. Your metabolism is active. You have you haven't under eight chronically. Um, you aren't heavily overweight. You have a decent amount of muscle mass. You're not super stressed, and you you understand tracking calories fully. See how this can be misleading though? Like 99% of people who are jumping into calories are not doing or experiencing at least one of those things, which is fine because we can solve that too. But in people who are just getting into things, haven't been dieting a bunch and are ready to patiently see progress, this method works well and absolutely is accurate. But for the people who are stressed, who have chronically dieted, who maybe don't have the healthiest metabolism, those individuals, this still might not be the best approach. Well, let's get into this approach first. So basically all you do is find your baseline multiplier before activity minus your body weight times 10, um, which is, and that will equal your theoretical maintenance caloric intake. So for example, uh, I, I weigh about 170 pounds for easy math, meaning my theoretical baseline caloric intake would be 1,700, 
right? Uh, this is my baseline, meaning myself with no other caloric demands. If I sat and didn't move much at all, barely thought, and probably didn't chew food either, I just sat around and did nothing, literally, just to survive, this would be my intake. After this, we multiply that given amount by an activity multiplier. This means everything we do on a daily basis, not just training or the active labor job. This also includes NEAT non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which means everything we do outside of purposeful training from walking to standing to everything else causing some kind of caloric burn. This is important for everybody to hear because many people will burn more calories than most from having a high neat. These are the people we you see talking a lot, uh, pacing the room, or just constantly fidgeting. Um, I'm one of these people. Uh, you can't get me to shut up. Like It's a gift and a curse because this I'm able to do this podcast, but I, I, I like to keep moving. I like to stay busy. Um, but this also comes into play when we diet because as energy calories get lower during a diet, we naturally have less energy to move and burn. This usually results in a significant drop in need along the way, which is one of the primary factors of metabolic adaptation. But once we have this number, so for me it was 1,700, uh, we have to look at the activity multiplier similar to the last method. So we have the lifestyle slash training frequency. So that's sedentary life with three to six days of training per week, lightly active with three to six days of training per week, active with three to six days per training per week, and then very active with three to six days of training per week. Um, the caloric difference between somebody who's doing a three-day full body plan and a four-day upper lower split or a five-day six-day push-pull legs. It's just not big enough for us to create a different multiplier for every single avenue. Otherwise, we'd have, I don't know how many variations of this. We'd have sedentary plus three, sedentary plus four, sedentary plus five, sedentary plus six training days, and then lightly active plus three, plus four, plus five. It'd just get ridiculous. But if you're sedentary in your training, which um, actually is now me, right? So over my career, I've shifted in this. Um, right now I am more sedentary because I work online. I record a podcast. I sit in my office most of the day, but you know, if we look back, I don't know how many years ago, four or five years ago, I was in the gym all day too. So I was on my feet all day. I had twice as many steps. I was much more active. So I would be like very active, right? For the activity multiplier. Um, so sedentary plus training would be 1.3 to 1.6, um, lightly active plus three to six days of training per week would be 1.5 to 1.8 active would be 1.7 to 2.0 and uh, very active would be 1.9 to 2.2 something to note about these numbers too is uh, that these activity multipliers are often uh, exaggerated in my experience I kind of mentioned that before um, or maybe it's the case that people overestimate their activity level. But let me give you an example. Someone who's actually very active is a construction worker, and this is very active is the vigorous. It's the, the highest calculation. This person is a construction worker, a bricklayer, a roofer, um, a logger, who also trains on a bodybuilding program five to six days a week. They'd be in the 1.9 to 2.2, very active, plus training uh, multiplier, but that's not that many people. An active individual would be a nurse, a hospital worker, or a condominium maintenance worker, apartment maintenance person who's working on their feet all day, who also trains an upper lower split four to five, six times a week, right? This would actually be a personal trainer too. This would have been my category. I wasn't very active because I wasn't like chopping logs and doing like manual labor. I was just training people. I was on my feet. So I would have been active. Um, somebody who sits at their desk for work all day, 90% of their day, like myself now, and then goes and hits the gym hard is actually more than likely sedentary or in the light activity category. 
I'm like right between the two because I purposely take walks throughout the day, but for the most part, I'm sedentary. And there's a lot of people listening to this that might actually be. So the reason it might not always be accurate when you do these multipliers, especially if you go download the ebook, again, which I recommend you do so you can see it in writing and, and do the calculations yourself, it might seem exaggerated to you. But the reason for that is it's simply because you're probably overestimating your activity level. So sometimes it's better to err on the side of less activity than more. But um, we'll go back to myself for that example, and we're going to take that baseline multiplier, we're going to times it by the activity multiplier that makes the most sense for me, and that's going to give me my true estimated maintenance calories. This is our total daily energy expenditure, right? We're finding our TDEE. Um, 170 pounds times 10 is 1,700 calories, like we said before. Um, we're going to go with the lightly active category uh, plus training because majority of my day is creating content, communicating with clients online, and, and programming on my computer. Um, but I do get up and I walk on coaching calls, and I, I purposely take calls, like I said. So I'm not completely sedentary, so we'll lean on the lightly active side. Uh, but we're going to go on the lower end of the act, lightly active side. So we'll use 1.5, which is the bottom number of that. 1,700 times 1. 1.5 is 2,550 calories. Um, and this is actually extremely accurate to where I need to be in order to maintain weight. Um, but I believe I'm an outlier or, or an anomaly in this scenario uh, for a couple of reasons. Here's why. Number one, I do not have any hormonal or metabolic adaptations. I've, I've done really well with periodizing my diet over the years. You know, I haven't, for example, I'm in a cut right now. And before this, I hadn't been in a deficit for over a year. So I periodize things well. I do put a lot of effort into maintenance phases, gaining phases. I'm not constantly in that diet. Um, and there's a lot of people who come to our company and there's a lot of people listen to this who probably do diet too often. And they're, they're in a deficit too many months out of the year. Number two, I've tracked for a long period of time. So I just know how to keep it accurate, right? I know how to do this very well. And I've been on top of my diet for a long time. Um, number three, I've not stayed in a deficit for too long, kind of going back to that metabolic adaptation. Uh, you know, I had a physique show eight years ago. And after that, I really started diving into the science of, of periodization and macros and reverse dieting and, and all these things of how do I make sure that I'm not putting myself in a harmful place like I did during my show? Um, and last but not least, I'm not an overly stressed person. I'm a high-stressed individual because I have a lot going on. And I'm go, 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 and I keep myself busy, um, and I have a lot of responsibilities, but I'm not an overly stressed person. I manage it well. So the reality for most, though, is that they, they may do this calculation and notice that 2,550 calories is well over their current intake. Um, and if that's the case, you may possibly be A, under eating, or B, you overestimated your activity level, which is why having a coach or kind of underestimating and being really honest is, is helpful. Um, in this case, that you have been under consuming calories, the first thing to do is check your protein. If your protein intake is not at or even close to your body weight in grams, raise that up to 0.8 or 1 gram to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight and see where your calories end up. I've seen countless individuals who are 400 calories short on their ideal maintenance, but they also, uh, they're also 100 grams short in protein, which is 400 calories. This means that if we add that 100 grams of protein over the next one to three weeks, you'll be at your ideal maintenance. And I can almost guarantee you will not see any fat accumulation rise in from bringing those calories up. Um, Dr. Jose Antonio did a protein overfeeding study. He actually has done three. Um, Dr. Campbell, I believe, has done one as well. Um, and all of them prove this. They, they prove that the, the protein is not going to be stored as that fat. In fact, I just had a conversation with a client yesterday as I'm recording this uh, because I gave him his starting macros. I gave him his maintenance 
calories that we're going to start with because we're starting with a priming phase, which is something we do with our clients. Like, let's get you to a good place first. Let's get you consistent. Let's get you feeling good. Let's get you fueled and recovering well. And uh, he was nervous because the calories were a good amount over what his were actually about 400. Um, we saw 1600 calories on average, except on like the random weekend in his MyFitnessPal. And I brought him up to right about 2000. So very similar to this, this example. Um, but that 400 grams was only protein. So what I'm telling you is, is literally exactly what I had to explain to him. Um, but if you calculated that and you were 400 calories short, yet your protein is at or above where it needs to be. So you're not that same case as the client I just described. This is where we run into the issue of chronic dieting, under eating, or being in a recovery debt, I like to call it. Um, at times, this implies we'll need to properly reverse diet you before you can actually chase fat loss. Um, and that's something that this podcast series isn't going to be about, but I can link an episode to the reverse dieting podcast and blog in the show notes of this episode. And I highly recommend you check it out because it is, uh, it's a really powerful one. It's one of our most popular blogs and popular podcasts that we have out. Um, but all, all the above, all the previous things I've kind of talked about is exactly why I prefer following a method, uh, a different method. That is what I'm going to get into right now. And that's daily tracking slash weighing to find your averages. Like with this method, you would track your daily intake of food as well as your daily weight on scale for one to two weeks. This will allow us to look at how much food you are truly eating on a day-to-day basis, along with how your body weight is responding uh, in correlation to that. So an example of this is if you tracked your calories for seven days in a row and you're, you averaged the calories out and your average caloric intake was 1,885 um, and you tracked your body weight every single day and your average weight was 165.8, then what we know is that uh, after tracking for a week, your average intake is going to be about 1,800, about 1,900 because you're a little short of 1,900. So let's say 1,900 and your average weight, your maintenance weight is 165. So that's your body settling point and the calories needed to maintain that weight is about 1,900. Um, and if we continued that, we could do two weeks um, and then we can get the average over two week period of time to even make it more accurate. But a lot of time people don't have that amount of time to do. They want to, you know, spend three to seven days weighing, tracking, and then jumping right in the plan. I try to get clients to do five to seven days at least because that's more practical. Perfect world scenario, if somebody has no rush whatsoever, I think two weeks is great because you can see more of uh, their lifestyle along that period of time too. So after uh, after the tracking, um, you know, or so so what does this tell us, right? Like after we track and we, we look at all these things, it tells us that the maintenance calories are around 1,900, right? Nothing will give you as accurate of an equation as real life metrics, which is why this pro- is the protocol I recommend when starting this system if you can. Um, but let's say that this individual did the calculations from a first um, and uh, he got 2,310, right? So the first, the first protocol is like, let's say they're 165 pounds um, in the example I just gave and uh, they multiplied that by 14, right? Which would be their maintenance based on their light activity. It would have given 2,310 calories. That sounds healthy. That sounds good. Awesome. Um, if they did the second one and they did it with the, the more scientific calculation, uh, 165 times 10 is 1650. And they times that by 1.8 because they're highly active. 2,970 calories. Both of those are based on an average activity level two, which is why macro dieting quote unquote, can have a bad rep 
because people will go the cheap and easy route, not investing time in education or money to get coaching. And you'll they'll use free online calculators that don't really dictate or factor in the the real lifestyle factors people face: stress, hormones, past dieting, um, cortisol levels, past caloric intakes. They just kind of spit you out a number based on a calculation. And as we can see, there's a huge range here. Their true maintenance is 1,900 because of what their lifestyle has put them into. The, the general activity multiplier gives them 2,300. And the scientific one gives them 2,900. So we have a, a big range here, right? Um, so uh, what do we do in this scenario? This is why, again, I recommend if you're a coach listening to this, I mean, really anybody can do this, do both. Do all these calculations because now what you can see is like, okay, based on science, the calculation gives me 2,900. Based on my lifestyle, I'm at 1,900, right? So I need to, one, be honest with myself that I overestimate my activity. And even if I did, let's say I, I underestimated it and I'm still should be at 2,300. Either way, you know you're under eating. So we know there's a gap to fill. We know that there's some work to be done and we, we have that place to go. So we might start your intake based on tracking your food and your weight for one to two weeks and getting an average that way, but we'll use that scientific calculation as like a North Star of where we want to get to. Um, so now we have to move forward on those maintenance calories, right? So you jump from your true maintenance, let's say 1900, and you jump to the middle ground, 2500, in hopes to, to lose weight, and you actually go into a 600 calorie surplus, right? Because the, the 2,900 the, the calculation gave you would imply that if you went to 2,500, that's a 400 calorie deficit, right? But because you actually try, if you tracked your calories and your weight every day and you realize that your true maintenance based on your lifestyle is 1,900, that would be actually be a 600 calorie surplus. So what happens then? You gain weight, right? That's thermodynamics. That's energy balance. We know that. Um, this also gives you awareness as to whether or not you are ready for a calorie deficit. Because if you do all these calculations for yourself and you realize that you are under your ideal maintenance, well, you now know you need to reestablish a solid metabolic capacity and, and healthy diet before going into a serious dieting or fat loss phase. So now we can kind of dive into creating deficits and surpluses, right? Um, as we now know, this is we've established our maintenance caloric intake and we want to change our body composition, uh, we're going to need to change this intake. Simply put, we're not trying to maintain here. We're trying to either lose or we're trying to gain. The only time I recommend maintaining is if you physiologically speaking need to because you're in a uh, poor place from a biofeedback or health perspective. Um, studies in science will tell you that you, that you need 3,500 calories per week in a deficit to lose fat because 3,500 calories is a pound of fat. So if we wanted to lose one pound of fat per week, we would cut 3,500 calories, which ends up being about 500 calories per day. In the example above uh, that I just referred to, taking the average caloric intake, that would only allow 1,400 calories per day. This could be an issue for hunger, cravings, flexibility, energy, performance, muscle retention, and most importantly, adherence. In the example of the calculations, this wouldn't be an issue at all because we'd still have about 2,400 calories to consume daily. Oftentimes, people will calculate, uh, take 500 calories out and barely lose at all, wondering why this science isn't working. But science works. It's, it's that you subtracted 500 from a false maintenance. So what do you do about that? Well, my experience has given me two possible outcomes. 
Number one, I keep the client at their maintenance caloric intake for a couple weeks while implementing a small training pro, a smart training program and, and optimizing macros essentially, uh, which we'll get into in the next podcast in the series. Um, and that can be a great start. It gets them in a routine that can focus on the educational side of things to build adherence. And oftentimes they do cut a little f- bit of fat just from being more on point and being healthy. Um, the second scenario would be uh, using the minimal effective dose. So instead of pulling 500 calories out of the gates, try pulling 150 to 250. See what happens. Worst case, their weight doesn't budge uh, after one to two weeks and you pull a bit more, but it's better to err on the side of caution. Um, The next question that comes up is how much should I even be aiming to lose, right? For pure fat loss, my recommendation is for you to strive between 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week. This can be pretty simple and relative for just about any individual as it changes depending on where you're at in your fat loss journey while rarely ever harming muscle growth uh, or maintenance or hormones or metabolic adaptation, assuming you're doing things properly and following a realistic timeline, of course. With this uh, 0.5 to 1% rate of loss, the heavier you are and the more you have to lose, the more weight loss per week is acceptable. The leaner you are, the less you lose per week, and that's much healthier for your metabolism uh, and especially for maintaining muscle mass and performance. We know this. So um, if, we, if we break that into a, a table, uh, this would be a 250-pound individual could lose 1.25 to 2.5 pounds per week. So one pound a week is on the like low side. We want to speed that up. But a 200-pound individual, it's one to two pounds. So one's more acceptable. For a 150-pound individual, we're talking 0.75 to 1.5. So as you get lighter, like losing a half a pound is not a big deal anymore. And there's even some research that, that makes us believe that 0.4 pounds uh, per like 0.4% of your body weight per week is actually acceptable and probably a good route to go as well. So um, as you can see, the leaner you get, the smaller the rate of loss becomes is basically what I'm getting at here. Uh, this is because you've, you very likely do not have nearly as much body fat to lose right? As somebody else who has at a higher body weight, um, or you have less fat and more muscle, which again is not a place where we want to be pushing our results too quick. Um, as we will sacrifice hormonal health, metabolic rate and muscle tissue altogether, that's sacrificing sustainability. And we don't want that. My suggestion is, is to always allow, um, is always to lose your weight and body fat via nutrition as it's much more controllable and predictable and way less taxing on your body's hormonal and nervous system. Uh, even though cardio is a good option and you will likely need to include it at some point in your fat loss journey, especially if you want to get really lean, don't be quick to add it in. Start with nutrition and at most some low intensity cardio on one to two days that you're not in the gym training, uh, which would add up to five to six days of total training per week. Uh, this is a great method because you do get the advantage of caloric expenditure, but also better recovery between sessions and aerobic capacity, which is important. But adding two a days, hit finishers, and anything else on top of an already highly active training regimen will lead to neurological fatigue, mental burnout, and overproduction of cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Um, in other words, it can be pretty counterintuitive if you're not smart with it. And always remember that at some point you will need to stop doing it because it's unrealistic to continue doing cardio forever unless we're in that one to two days per week routine. But because the body is very adaptive, is a very adaptive species, our metabolic rate will grow accustomed to the amount of cardio you're doing and it'll become less effective. So my point with this is that it's a variable that is hard to truly predict, first of all, caloric expenditure wise. It's not very sustainable from a lifestyle perspective when you do it a lot, and the body adapts to it far easier than anything else, making it it less effective. I kind of look at it like the more you do general low-intensity cardio, 
the more you are turning your body into a uh, a hybrid car, right? We want to be a gas guzzler because gas guzzlers waste a lot of gas. They use a lot of gas. They burn a lot of fuel. Guess what? If we burn fuel, we burn calories, we burn fat. That's the goal. Um, so once again, just add it in sparingly and, and only when you've come far enough that you have no other choice. Like example would be you don't want to take any more. Or you couldn't adhere to your diet if you took out any more calories. Um, rate of weight gain. When it comes to gaining weight, things are pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, unfortunately for the natural lifter, it is much more difficult and it takes much longer to put on quality muscle mass than it does to burn body fat off. Fat loss is much easier than muscle growth. Um, that being said, um, I'm just going to be super black and white with this topic. And, and number one, you need to be in a surplus, period. Body recomps are, are they're possible, but they're very, very, very difficult. And oftentimes they require a long timeline. So they're not as productive and they're not as motivating because you see very minimal, if any, changes week to week, which can be hard to continue going. Uh, but they are much more possible um, for beginners or people who had a long layoff of training. So in those scenarios, I do focus more on a recomp for sure. Um, you, the second thing is you need to train hard, right? You need to train hard, eat right, recover enough, and just be patient. You will not grow overnight if you're trying to gain size and muscle. So commit to a six to 12 month period of time. Yes, a six to 12 months, a long time, and solely focus on gaining size, nothing else. Lose fat later. I spent 10 months recently. It, it takes time. Last thing is don't get fat. This is not an excuse to bulk. Um, it's, it's not a dreamer bulk. So the goal should be to maintain your body fat level, maybe add a little bit of fluff to it. But in no way should you get super fat, uh, which is my scientific technical term. <laughs> don't get super fat. Because that will only negatively impact your health and your ability to actually put on more muscle tissue. Um, and you're, it'll harm your performance. As you put on fat, you're more prone to adding even more as you eat and your hormones take a hit. So don't get lazy with your bulk. Try to go for a lean gaining phase. Um, and unlike a pound of fat, which has 3,500 calories, like I said before, muscle has way less. It has only about 800 calories. So one pound of muscle equals 800 calories. Um, and so people would say like, oh, should we be in an 800 calories surplus per week in order to gain one pound per week? Maybe. It depends, um, which I know a lot of people hate that answer. But, uh, you know, the more advanced in or longer you've been training and the longer your training career is, the less calories you add into your surplus because the less muscle you can actually build, genetically speaking. You're, you're kind of reaching your genetic potential without drugs. And the closer you get to that number, the more your body kind of resists adding muscle. So the further along you get, the slower you build muscle which is pretty fucked up if you think about it. We get smarter, we get better, we get more committed, we spend more time on it, and we get less reward for it. <laughs> but this is exactly why I encourage so many newbies in the gym to get a coach right from the get-go because it will save them so much time and frustration down the road to do things right from the start. Um, but to make this easy, uh, if you're a beginner in the first one to two years of your training, uh, you should probably have one to two percent of body weight per month in gain, um, which is about 200 to 400 calories per day. And that's in like, let's say, so if, if we take a, a 180 pound individual and we take one to two percent body weight per month, that's about 200 to 400 calories, right? Right around there. Um, if you're an intermediate, you're going to take 0.5 to 1.5 percent of body weight per month. So again, in a 180 pound individual, that's about... 150 to 300 calories per day. Uh, an advanced individual, 0.5. So as you can see, it keeps getting less or less <laughs> um, or up to 150 calories uh, per day. So, um, and if you get uh, like the lighter you are, the smaller those 
those numbers get, obviously, because the percentages stay. So an example of a 130-pound individual that is advanced is only adding 100 calories. But as you can see, unless you're just getting into the gym, and if you are, kudos to you for listening to this podcast and doing your due diligence on researching real information that's evidence-based on how to improve right away, which I, I want everybody to do more of. Um, but unless that's you, you need to be patient when it comes to building serious muscle. So, um, and this is highly individual. We can't forget that it's, it's completely individual to the person because everybody's different. I've worked with newbies who have gained on a 200 calorie surplus and ones who have only been able to gain from a 500 or more calorie surplus. I've worked with advanced individuals who can go only go into a hundred calorie surplus without getting fat. And I've worked with ones who needed a 500 calorie surplus or more. Otherwise, they wouldn't see any gains because their metabolism is so adaptive. And with these adaptive metabolisms, as you slowly add calories, their metabolism speeds up along with that and they don't actually gain any weight from it. Um, but the best method for seeking gains is starting on the low end and just to just keep climbing slowly like a reverse diet until you find your personal sweet spot, which is the individual thing. So guys, that wraps up the adherence and metrics talk along with the energy balance and why it's so important to understand energy balance and, and factor it into your plan. Um, and next week, you're going to hear uh, the second part of this series, which is going to dive into macros and micros. So we're going to talk about individualizing those calories a little bit more to you specifically. And remember, if some of this confuses you or this excites you and you want to learn more, you want to have this catered to you and tailored to you um, from training to nutrition to lifestyle to the accountability process, tracking sheets and all the systems we use at Tailored Coaching Method, go into the description of this podcast, click the application link, jump on a free call with one of our coaches and sign up for coaching. I promise you it'll be a great investment for your health, for your body composition and for your brain to educate more. Until next time, guys, have a good one. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, Head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.